This is The Caning. Welcome to my podcast. Welcome. We've got a lovely room full of people. We're here live at the Edinburgh Festival from the Republic of Scotland. What a cracking debate between someone called Darling and someone called Salmon. It's like a surrealist delight. Someone called Darling going, please don't leave me, Darling. And someone called Salmon, fishing for answers on the currency. Can I also note, and I know it's, I can't, I don't care if it's cliche to mention it, I'm delighted to say the trams are working at last. Yeah. Not that they go anywhere that anyone wants to go, but it doesn't matter. I'll just get the tram, where are you going? I'm going to Oktomuktimukt. It's a, a tiny passageway that no one lives in. Everyone aboard. <laughs> By the way, the bus is cheaper and quicker. Bus is cheaper and quicker. <laughs> and uh, that was worth it then, wasn't it? And uh, at least Salmon wasn't responsible for that one because he did get his hands on some of the transport money, didn't he? But apparently that wasn't his work. His work was the other bridge alongside the existing bridge. <laughs> two bridges instead of one. And that's... Uh, we need two ways to get to five, please. Thank you. Over we go. I just heard that Boris Johnson might be standing as a proper MP, could be the leader of the Tory party. If it was 54% yes to stay together last night, it's about 99% no for Scotland now. We should stick together. Boris is in charge, right, everyone? Leave immediately. <laughs> Imagine Boris trying to tell Scotland what to do. Come on, you're such friendly people. I'll come and speak to you in one of your authentic huts. <laughs> Fuck off, Boris. And uh, also uh, disgusting this week, uh, there's a character called... Um, I mean, I'm not judging her as a person, right? I'm just the thing she's done, I, I don't particularly agree with this. Josie Cunningham character. First of all, she got her boobs inflated on the NHS with taxpayers' money, which I don't think is very fair. I mean, fair enough if there is a genuine psychological issue, but to get a cosmetic boob job on the NHS, not fair at all. My willy extension has been denied several times. <laughs> and, uh, but the latest thing she's done, if you haven't seen the stories, don't know how you could have missed them, is she's auctioning off tickets for the birth of her child, right? So people can pay, which for me has got a creepy, slightly sordid element to it anyway. But the worst thing is someone has paid 10 grand to watch Josie Cunningham Kimber. I think she could have played some bigger venues. She should have come up to Edinburgh, shouldn't she? <laughs> Gone in the Pleasant Scram. Why, why stop there, Josie? Why not play the O2 and you could spread your legs before 10,000 people? Something tells me you're big enough. Right? <laughs> The other thing that's been in the news this week, they're trying to uh, clamp down on the law in uh, dangerous dogs. Uh, it's been big news in England and Scotland. Apparently people are still owning these pit bull dogs and all these brand bleeds, band breeds. There's been 27 deaths in the last year. So I know some of you uh, listening to this are going to be passionate owners of these breeds, but that's not good enough. This breed is killing. Now, it's true that it's, uh, it's par only partly the dog's fault. Genetically, the dog is built as a blood sport dog. It was built historically to be dangerous. But the real problem, let's face it, is the absolute fucking idiot that owns the dog, right? You're in charge of your dog's behaviour. Just because it's genetically dangerous doesn't mean we should pricking ban it. I mean, I mean, cutlery's got some dangerous elements to it, hasn't it? But we're not going to ban the fork just because every time Wayne Rooney has dinner, he stabs himself in the eye. <laughs> Being frankly, where's my sausage? It's in a granny. Now, listen. I own a dog breed that's really hard to train, so I, I feel like I can comment on this because we're, you know, we're a dog-loving nation, so it is something dear to our heart. I own a pug, one of the hardest... I know it's not exactly... Yeah, watch out, stand back, ladies. Mm. You won't be able to detect this from a podcast, but testosterone just ripped through the room and some of the men grew beards on my behalf. <laughs> no, I own, a, I own a, a pug, and pugs, any pug owners in, uh, in the room today? One of the hardest breeds to train. Not, not just not easy. I mean, it's not like having a sheepdog. Sheepdog, you know, a border collie will just do whatever you want. I'll do a trick for you, mate. Do you want a bag of tricks? Don't be silly. I'll do this one for free. To be honest with you, I just enjoy the work, to be honest. I got this, right? 
That's a pug. Do you want me to shit outside? Good luck with that, mate. Good luck. <laughs> Times are tough. It's three bags of treats minimum. I can do a porch. I can shit in the porch for a bag of treats. Maybe. But there's so much on at the moment. <laughs> I won't have the dogs blamed. What we should have is a special license. You know, like you need a special license to drive certain types of lorries or fast cars. You should have like an advanced dog owning license if you want to own uh, one of the advanced breeds. I think that's fair enough. Responsible Rottweiler and Pitbull owners would sign up for it. I've watched Caesar Milan. This shit works. If you don't know who Caesar Milan is, don't pretend you haven't skipped through it on your free view box. It's where uh, he's the one that goes up to any dog, just goes and it does whatever he says by falling. <laughs> I thought, it's freaking amazing. There can be, there can be like a, an English bull terrier going, I'll bite you, I'll bite your wife, I'll bite your daughter, and when I'm done, I'll fucking bite myself and all, just to show you. <laughs> then Caesar will go, I'm sorry, I was just gay, I needed to let it out, please rub my tummy. <laughs> Fixed. If you want to know the difference between British and American culture to dog ownership, I mean, has anyone, who's watched this Caesar Milan thing? They're always, they're always sobbing at the end and you find yourself sobbing along like the Americans like, please fix my dog. If you don't fix my dog, I don't have a life. I love my dog. <laughs> and because I'm such a weak fool, broken, uh, broken by comedy, I cry at everything anyway. And, uh, and I thought, wow, that's, that's re we really are a nation of dog lovers. Until I saw the British special. I don't know if anyone saw the British special of Caesar Milan Dog Whisperer. But he... Uh, there was an American one, it was a wheelchair user, yeah? This woman from California, she was like, if you, if you don't fix my dog, I won't get out. And she, yeah, her wheelchair moved, obviously. I'm just, um, for, people, for the benefit of people listening, I just mimed a wheelchair that was stationary, which would be one of the, the cruelest inventions you could ever come up with. And uh, he fixed the dog, and the dog, dog walks alongside the wheelchair. She's like, you've saved my life. I love you, Caesar. And I was like in tears, my cup of soup was full of snot. It was horrible. And then the English edition came on. It was set in England, it was set in Birmingham, right? And this was the opening statement of the British dog owner. At the end of the day, if it doesn't stop shitting on the path, we'll have it put down. <laughs> uh, one last thing before we start with, the, start with the debate. This sex tapes and revenge porn, this seems to be right. Gentlemen are largely doing this. Lads, what's going on? Stop it, this is horrible. I mean, I used to make some horrible jokes about um, Talisa and all that lot until I saw the documentary in the week and I saw how much it devastated. I didn't realize how horrible it can be if someone puts up a film of you noshing someone off around the back of Lidl. It doesn't help. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes the news. <laughs> Thank you for being lovely. Uh, Audience of the Caney. Now we're going to welcome our panel. Please make some noise for Ian Sterling, <laughs> Sophie Hagen, <laughs> and Steve Bougea. <laughs> so um, you heard some of the headlines there. Do not feel this is not a show where people who come on have to pick from what might interest me. Obviously, I went quite large on dogs there as I have no social life. But <laughs> Maybe there's a topic that we've riled one of you. There's no order, anyone pitch in whenever you like. Well, we were talking talk about the, Jody, the, the Cunningham last and Talisa and all that. And um, I was watching all this stuff about the World War One, the 100 year anniversary. And when I hear all these stories, uh, there is a link. Yeah. <laughs> Watch Sterling get from World War One to Talisa. Talisa. There you go. <laughs> what happened was the guy actually said this old man from World War One celebrated by bagging Talisa. Yeah. No, he didn't. Um, <laughs> Basically, I was watching this stuff, 
And when I see what these people went through and the stories they can tell and everything, it makes me realise how shit we are <laughs> as a generation. I remember speaking to like my ex-girlfriend's grand like, uh, last year, and uh, she, was, she worked in a mental institution for like 25 years, and there was a woman in there for 20 years because she didn't speak to anyone. Then after 20 years, they found out it was because she was deaf, right? Mental story. I was looking at her thinking, <laughs> 10 minutes before that, I was telling her like a 30 minute anecdote about how I couldn't get my iPhone 4 charger to fit into my iPhone 5. <laughs> like you feel dirty, do you know what I mean? Talking about the older generation, I read yesterday that they uncovered, they opened a time capsule that was um, uh, like buried in 1921 and there was loads of cool stuff in it, like letters and like pictures of Winston Churchill and stuff. Like that's what you should put in a time capsule. Like when I, in year 2000, in primary school, we buried a time capsule and I put like chewits, uh, <laughs> like one of those little alien things in goo um, and uh, I can't remember, and a flag, uh, an England flag, which I don't know what, they're gonna bury that, they're gonna get that in like 100 years and they'll be like, well this hasn't changed, I don't know why, I don't know why I put this in here. <laughs> chewits might change their name like Starboss or something. Yeah, yeah, well that's something to look forward to. So, so the point, <laughs> The point you're putting forward is comparing the two streams of stories coming yeah. through the, sort of the moral descent of the younger generation into sort of vapid, put myself on the internet. Yeah, I, I remember just being on the, uh, on, on the news. Do you know the news? Yeah. I was on that. Yeah, they have short bits on BBC Three in between the boobs. <laughs> but, it is, but that's what it is. It's like World War One, amazing people, 70 million dead, you click left and there's Talisa there with fucking lips like a trout. And you're like, I don't understand what's happened here. <laughs> She look, she got that the lip thing. Do you see her her lips? Hmm. She got, like I don't understand. She's 26 and she's getting plastic surgery. How can you think? Oh, I look old at 26. It's terrible. My dad's in his 60s, right? Every time he sits in the toilet, his testicles touch the water. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's what you've got to worry about. Definitely. Why? Why? Out of all the things on men that can continue to grow, why? <laughs> why? I feel sorry for girls more than men. Ears and balls. You basically end up to a giant dwarf with massive ears <laughs> dragging his testicles along behind him. Go, please, my love, I'll give you some worthers for some rumpy pumpy. Sex. That's the future of all women. Sex becomes like swing ball. <laughs> my, my sister, she, uh, my, my mother called me and said, uh, she said that my sister was, she's 19 and 20. She, she, don't tell her. Uh, she's 20 and my mom said, oh yeah, your sister's considering getting her, uh, her stomach done and her boobs done and her legs done. And I was like, oh my god, that's terrible, she shouldn't do that. Then my mom said, yeah, I know, why not start with her nose? <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is mad though, the way, like, tw she's 20, Talisa's 26 and is like, worried about looking old. Like, I just, I like the idea of her looking at like, 24 year olds and going like, oh. What do they know about life? What they can't it? even rent a van. Seeing as we've got a visitor from another country some people might not be familiar with, are, are the attitudes in uh, Denmark markedly different to Scotland and England? Are people a bit more chilled out about their bodies? Are, are they less sort of selfie-obsessed? Look at me, come and see the birth of my baby online for 10 grand. Is there less of that stuff? And if so, why? So if you hate ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, they're all just, everyone in Scandinavia, uh, how, how to say this? They're all really beautiful. Uh, which isn't a bad... It's not saying that you're not. <laughs> but they're really, really beautiful. It's kind of a thing. Like, I was, I was like the last fat person to, to live there. So that's why... Because, like... 
for the benefit of our listeners. Actually, I'm going to leave that point. Oh, come on, carry on. <laughs> and I'm anorexic. No. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, people just have this, uh, this self-confidence thing going on. I, I had a Canadian comedian. <laughs> I had a Canadian comedian. Dirty cow. Yeah. <laughs> I import. <Typical> Scandinavian. <laughs> and he, uh, he was trying to chat up all these uh, Danish girls by telling them how beautiful they were. And they were just going, yeah, thank you. And he was like, yeah, I got her. I was like, you don't, because they know. <laughs> they already know. That's not how you get them. They're like, yeah, so, we get told this every day. But rather than being physically beautiful, they're just they're more self-confident, do you, do you think? Or is it, no, they're just more physically beautiful. This... Please tell me it's just confidence, because that way we all can be healed as well. <laughs> <laughs> just give us the answer we want to hear, Sophie. <laughs> There's a lot of, uh, I don't know, it's not everyone who knows the word, but there's a lot of fat phobia. No? No, no, no. It's uh, basically people who hate fat people. And that's the thing, because there's not that many of them in, in Denmark. Uh, we're, like a, we're like a minority being chased, uh, which is not what chubby chaser means, by the way. <laughs> I found out. Uh. <laughs> Just focusing on to that Talisa thing, because I think she's... Like I've got to play Devil's Advocate or Angel's Advocate, whatever you want to call it. I think she's had a bit of a rough ride this year. And uh, when we saw the stories in the newspapers about, oh, well, she shouldn't have offered to sell coke then, more for her. But then when you watch the story of how it was done, how they slowly inveigled her over mm. four months, took her out, and they... But the, the, the article I read with her being interviewed, they, the director was looking for a method actor to act opposite Leonardo DiCaprio to play a bad girl. So when you're out tonight, make sure you're a bad girl. Go be wild in front of the director and he'll show him that you're a bad girl at heart. And you'll get the part. They did that for three, four months for a three and a half million pound Hollywood. Someone said that to me, I'd have had been probably mainlining heroin and tap dancing to the McDonald's theme tune like that. <laughs> Take my soul. It was re it, the way it was done, I thought was out of order and I've completely rethought what I thought about that before. Oh, there's talk of um, her psychics being paid off by the guy as well. So she's going psychic? To this, yeah, so she's going to a psychic going, oh, I've been offered this film. The psychic's like doing card readings going, oh yeah, good things to come. And then they're getting a backhander off that shake guy. So everyone's in on it. And they're just told her like, if you do loads of coke and have sex with me, you'll get in a film. And she's went for it. I don't know what she, I don't know why she thought that would work. I, I don't know what she thinks Ian McKellen gets up to. Because mm. <laughs> he's been in a lot of fucking films, right? That is... He loves the H. He doesn't. I, just... <laughs> I love a bit of Skag before I do Lord of the Rings. When it gets me into the right frame of mind, if I can find a vein. <laughs> so, the other thing we're going to bring just under this umbrella of the, the cultural demise of the younger generation is this revenge porn thing. What do you think about that, Soph? Revenge porn? <laughs> Suggesting? Uh, I'm going to go with no. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely terrible, isn't it? What would you do if you found out an ex of yours was, had uploaded a video of you in Rumpy Pumpy with him? I would go back in time and then not let him record it. <laughs> I think that's the, why would you, why? Like, I don't even want to have sex in front of a mirror. Why yeah. would you want to record it forever? I, I'm fascinated to hear what Steve Bougea, ladies' man, has well, to say. <laughs> I mean, Steve? guys, I've had a lot of sex, so... Um... <laughs> Oh, fuck you. Um, <laughs> have you. Just happens that was a joke. Steve, have you ever made a sex tape? Be honest. Have you? And it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, I'm good at filming. Um, filming yourself I can in the do mirror. Half of it really well. Um, <laughs> like half the job. I mean, I've got cameras, fat sound equipment, and stuff. But the yeah, that sounded fucking creepy. Man. No, but I'm a <laughs> <laughs> You just looked at people and went, "I've got cameras, sound equipment. It's all set up I'm the here bed. for a month. Anyone, you know." <laughs> 
No, uh, I mean, I, I think it's bad, isn't it? But <laughs> it's really bad. But then again, like. But you've you got know, all the equipment. Yeah, I'm ready. No, that sounded bad. No, I just meant I film other stuff. Was that clear? Yeah. And non-sexual, like legal stuff. And uh, Legal? Sure. You're making me look like a dick. Stop it. Uh, I, I think it's bad and people shouldn't stop having sex so they can be the same as me. Um, make it even. Um, no, yeah, I wouldn't do it. Ster- Sterling, would you make a sex tape and what would you do? If a sex tape I would do it. If I'd done a sex tape, I would do it like themed around a film or something. Go on, which one? Uh, no, my no. favourite film of all time is Goodwill Hunting. So. What, so you're like really good at maths and sex at the same time? No, <laughs> just at climax, I scream, How'd you like them apples? That's um, wow. with my massive testicles. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, this podcast will be picked up by The Guardian shortly after this finishes. Now, <laughs> have, we got any, uh, have we got any questions from the members of, of, the, of the audience? Probably let's stay away from the World War I centenaries. I don't feel we did that justice. But anything to do with this fake shake issue, this uh, filming yourself, putting it online, sexual politics, stuff like that. Any questions from anyone? Was Talisa not an sex tape thing? Yes. That she was, that, wasn't she? That Talisa's year of hell started with her... With that happening. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of being filmed, it looked like around the back of a supermarket or something. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> so, I'll do. Uh, it was it's one of the worst sex tapes I've ever, ever seen. The guy's just sort of, <laughs> <laughs> Obviously for research. Steve was looking at it going, the lighting's all wrong, yeah, the sound is terrible. Oh, I thought Steve's camera work was appalling on that one. <laughs> <laughs> the guy just starts whack- it's so misogynistic, the guy just starts whacking his willy on her head halfway through and then it cuts off. Which I know for Middle-aged people is largely how sex finishes. No, Roger, no, 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 no. I don't care if you've got two birthdays. No, no. Get it away from my face, no. <laughs> it was, it's a pretty, it's a pretty uh, bleak tale. That was the start of her, uh, I was going to say Anna's horribilis, but it's probably the wrong phrase. Um, that was the start of her whole terrible year, really. I mean, the thought of my sex life ending up online fills me with absolute horror. The most tragic thing would be just be me on my own in a silk glove. Um, (laughs) Who are you? Never you mind, stranger. (laughs) Oh, so numb now. Okay, so we just need a we need a a headline to wrap up this. Talk about the the moral code dissolving in the younger generation. Anyone got a headline? We're not allowed to say Josie Cunningham. I was told earlier. So (laughs) sorry that I know that's wiped out all the Glaswegians' headlines. What a cunt. <laughs> How about what a, what a Cunningham? <laughs> I would like to go back to uh, obesity because uh, we've, the panel's already raised it. But it's a massive story in the week. It's, I know they're just obsessed with it in Scotland as we are in England. We're an epidemic, apparently. The, the more we try and uh, cut out fat and uh, try and eat whole grain carbs, the fatter we're getting, we're doing something wrong. What's going wrong, panel? Obesity. How are we going to tackle this? Uh, just stop it. Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming you eat. I need to get more. Sorry. Uh, I. I mean, I can't. I find you're gonna, I'm going to be hated now. I can't relate to obesity because I literally can't put on weight. Whatever I do, I can eat whatever I want, and I just, I just shit it out like ten minutes later. So, um, sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> Actually, I ate about. I'm going to go. No. Um, <laughs> does this? But I, like, it's bad, isn't it? But if people just need to 
do exercise and stuff, but I can't relate to it because I don't exercise. I just I'm lucky. Yep, so. but apparently that is not true. But it's um, so if you take up take on a diet, say you're like right, there's this new diet. It's called the paleo cat urine diet. Where you just drink cat wee each morning. <laughs> Whatever diet you pick, the current failure rate is eight, something like eighty percent, eighty three percent. It is okay, eighty three percent. Those who anyway, go on a diet and exercise binge. Not only that, but the likelihood of you being heavier five years later than you were before you started the blitz is ninety percent. Therefore, diets and just doing extreme exercise doesn't work. But that's what we're being sold all the time with the books and stuff like. And not that, not that exercise, an exercise epidemic is really a problem in the UK because we tend to hate people that exercise. We're one of the few countries where if you're jogging along wearing Lycra, a van window's like to go down and go, wanker! <laughs> Join in with the rest of us, we're all having heart attacks, prick. So my diet, you actually told me to cut carbs out of my diet. No, to have a... the solution I think is making a, a permanent change you can stick to rather than some faddish extreme thing that you can't stick to. That's my opinion. Okay, so I misinterpreted that. I, <laughs> You've not been eating I just cut carbs out quite drastically and for about a week I was really weak. Uh, like, <laughs> my mum like, really doesn't like me because of that. Uh, <laughs> she, she thought I was really Could have picked up the yeah. microphone to do stand-ups who were performing on the floor like that. <laughs> I need bread. Um, yeah, a high-protein diet does not suit me. Um, I think it's important to differentiate between healthy and uh, healthy and fat and unhealthy and fat because there are skinny people who are really unhealthy and there are fat people who are healthy. So that, that kind of creates this what I was talking about the fat phobia. I think I'm a I'm I'm a fat activist, not a fat activist. Well, I'm that as well. <laughs> I'm a fat fat activist. <laughs> uh, so I really care about this topic because there are so many, because this whole, when you ever say e epidemic and you talk about it as if it was like a, a big virus and people are dying of this, that it's so damaging because there are so many people who just hate fat people as like a thing and I can relate, uh, I, I can eat a lot and not shit it out. <laughs> See, that's a skill. Um, but I think it's so damaging because every time that's like on, because that's a, that's a thing. Like I, I found in my in my shed, in my mother's shed, I found like 30, 36 diet books about how to lose weight. I've had since I was eight. I'm 25 now, and it's not helped. First of all, but also it's so damaging. So I think you should you can focus on people having to be healthy because obviously that's that's wouldn't damage like you don't have to go through the NHS and whatever you leech off of your many money but uh, but you should just have this focus on that the fact that there can be fat people who are not only happy with being fat but there can be fat people who are healthy as well who just have that body and that should be okay it's not funny but it's it's real if we, yeah. <laughs> that is that is the one thing that annoys annoys me it's a, it's a mainstream but thing Ian, of like Ian, you've lost about one and a half two stone haven't yeah you, recently? i have yeah i've done exercise and that not kebabs <laughs> but, are you, but are you are you walking around hungry or have you just cut been, out no that? i just i didn't even mean i just started doing exercise i'd never done exercise in like years and i'd done exercise and it worked <laughs> move around a bit and eat less and then for some people it works but I'm not, it doesn't work for everyone but the thing I hate about it is that thing of like attractive, like the gym going people who assume you want to go to the gym like no people that go to the gym and look great assume that you want that mm. oh, I go to the gym and I look great, like, do you want to come to the gym like, and I'd rather be kicked in the face you prick like, do you know what I mean? I can't, go, I can't go to the gym, I'd never had gym I can't do exercise if someone's watching me do it I'm so neurotic it's like sleeping and exercise, two things I cannot do whilst being watched 
Like, so on a flight to Australia, I'm awake the whole 24 hours just because someone might walk past and look at my face while I'm sleeping. <laughs> I'm just, even at flatbed, it doesn't matter. I'm like a meerkat on amphetamine for the whole time. <laughs> I've just got, and, and as like for me doing a bicep curl, it's pathetic. It's like a pepper army trying to lift something. I don't, I don't want to be observed when I'm doing that. So I can, I, I've got a personal trainer to write exercise that can all be done in a dressing room with a chair. It's like a prisoner's workout. I bet you see like that. What was that? What was that prisoner that done that exercise book? Yeah. It was, and it could work in a cell. That's basically uh, stand-up comedy existence for me. <laughs> A cell of exercise. But well, just quickly, as I said, I went on tour with Russell a couple of years ago, and when he does his exercises... Um, What's he, coming now? He, he does exercises, but listens to watches Question Time. Yep. So if you walk in the room, it's just Russell doing push-ups, just looking at David Dimbleby. It's really weird. I will not waste my mind listening to house music while exercise. You can be taking in an audio book. <laughs> Whole of War and Peace. Six, 61 hours of audio, or eight segments, if you're a member of Audible. And, uh, yeah, seriously, I got a six-pack and took in Russian literature, so who's the loser now, Ian? <laughs> Me, I am the loser, I am the loser. <laughs> no, they, they, so, I'm, I'm, I'm like a, a sport of in-between. I'm, I'm never going to be massively overweight, because a lot of it's genetic. But all I did was just permanently cut out just sugar, white rice, white pasta, white potatoes. I eat loads of sweet potatoes, cheese, steak. I eat as much, as often, as I like. I just don't eat any of, of that stuff. But the problem with, with cutting out carbs and sugar and stuff is that then I've tried that and then you can just feel all your emotions. <laughs> uh, Sophie, have you tried alcohol? <laughs> Works for me. Yeah. That, is, that is one thing though. I hate these people that do like... Like, the exercise, it is, again, it's an emotional thing. Because, like, don't like your job, for example. You've got one or two options, don't you? You either get a new job or you start running marathons. That seems to be... Isn't it? There's two types of people that run marathons. People suffering from existential angst and people that like running. And both of them are, go, are terrible to go drinking with. Because mm. one group's like, oh, I'll have a gin and tonic. There's quite a lot of calories in beer. The other group's like, I'll have a bottle of gin. There's voices in my head. Those are the two... <laughs> And you meet both regularly at the Edinburgh Festival as you walk down the Royal <laughs> Pleasure to meet you all. <laughs> Talk about exercise, Ian once came around my house and he got, this is, he said he started doing exercise. What he started doing actually is a fitness DVD called Insanity. Yep, Sean T. Dig Deeper. Yeah, right. And it's the most, well, it's, it is named aptly because it's ridiculous. This is a man <laughs> shouting at him, uh, going, run faster, run faster. And he made me do it once in my lounge, fucking two of us. Just topless. We didn't Steve need to, was we didn't filming it. It was fucking creepy. Um, <laughs> I bet the cameras were running. Weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I just started wrestling. DH Lawrence was being well, quoted. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing mummy kicks. He's shifting a light. It was all weird. <laughs> You're making me sound weird, guys. Um, <laughs> I, uh, we did it, and he completed it fully. And he was like, "Let's do it again." And I'm like crying next to the window, trying to be sick. It was awful. Uh, but that's how he lost all his weight. But luckily, I don't eat it. You fat prick. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I've, I think that my thing with ex exercise, the trauma with it, start. I can't think about exercise while I'm doing it because I find it so boring. Why is it so boring? Just like doing the same thing, like running forward or kicking a ball. I hate that on the, on the marathon. On the, the I've got the marathon machine. That's how many times I've been to the gym. The running machine. No, they put how many calories you've burned as like encouragement. Yeah, but you're it's on the, I know you're on for a fucking hour. You're like, it's a fucking Mars bar. I burned off a Mars bar. 
But I put on uh, David Dimblebean and I smashed it. <laughs> my, most, my most traumatic gym moment was at school. I was forced to play sports at school, which was horrible for boys like me that got no interest in rugby or football or anything. But dance, you know, that was amazing. And, uh, and I never had female attention at school, I never even kissed the girl. No, I was, I, was, I was the tier just above the truly rejected. You know, like, like 5B. And, uh, there was this, and we were, had to do these things called tricep extensions where you pick up a dumbbell and you stretch it down from the, above your head to your shoulder. And I was sat on the bench and just for once all the girls were watching me and they were laughing. I was cracking jokes doing these tricep extensions. But what they were actually laughing at was every time I descended the dumbbell, my, the little PE shorts I had on, one of my balls was hanging out. <laughs> And do you remember those trolls you used to buy on holiday where you squeeze them in the eye? <laughs> the force of the motion was popping a bollock out like that every time. And I've never been able to exercise in front of people since. Right, we need a, we need a headline for the o- obesity crisis. Anyone? The Fatkins diet. Fatkins diet. Yeah, we'll go with Fatkins diet. Steve, uh, do you want to jump in with the last topic? Next week in England is, well, it used to be my favourite day of the year, but uh, I, can't, I'm, I don't participate anymore, but it's results day for, uh, like, exams and stuff. Yeah, uh, my favourite day because it's the only day where I was like envied by people. Uh, <laughs> the rest of the year, I looked at all the cool kids like, "Oh, look at all your friends and your parties and your lack of virginity." Um, uh, but then on results day, they'd look over me for a brief ten minutes and be like, "Oh, he did all right, didn't he? Cool, let's go and have sex now." Um, <laughs> but it's, it's coming up next week, isn't it? And it's always uh, it's like the most stressful thing in the world for everyone. And like all well, the uh, the because I, I mean I I was the obviously I was a geek at school. I was the I was the kid. You know the kid that sits at the front every lesson and like puts her hand up and follows the teacher around. Yeah, I was the kid she bullied. Um, <laughs> proper low down. Uh, but obviously, results day is like it's a stressful time, and especially with Gove. Like, I know he's left now, Michael Gove, but he made the exams like harder. Like I don't know why they didn't need to be harder. They're always pretty tough. And like now, he's just put loads of stuff in it because he wants people to do worse because he's a Tory. And um, he, he, like, I wouldn't be surprised if like the physics exam is probably the first question for oh, describe an electron backwards in Latin. Uh, <laughs> do it. It's hard. I get really annoyed at, um, when people um, say things like oh, the exams are getting easier because the the results are getting better. But that's like someone going oh. The 100 metres world record gets better every year. They're making it shorter. I mean, uh, people can't be improving over generations. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That does annoy me so much. But what's wrong with it being hard, then? Um, shouldn't it... Why should we be so scared of going, right, learn Latin? Is that a nonagon? Don't you know? What is a nonagon? Nine sides. There we go. Plus <laughs> when something kept on going. And on again, and on again, and on again. That is a pun, and you are welcome. Because I haven't done well at school. I tell you, a, a good comment here would be from Sophie. I mean, how did, what are Danish exams like compared to British exams? We are like, the cat sat on the, begins with M, something in front of a front door. <laughs> Matt! A star! A star for the Matt there. I haven't really taken an exam in England, so I don't really know how to compare them, but... Give us an example uh, of the type of things you'd be tested on in Denmark. Uh, how much do you love your family? <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I, I've always done really well in exams, so I don't know why, because I, I, I think I'm clever, but then uh, a few days ago I was talking to a very clever comedian, and I wanted to... He was talking about historical documentaries oh, Jim Davis has been everywhere this festival. <laughs> <laughs> it was 
was talking about these historical TV shows and stuff, like about Vikings, and I really wanted to sound clever, so I said, uh, are there any uh, historical mistakes in uh, Game of Thrones? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think I've learned that much from Danish education. Mm. So is there anyone, who thinks that uh, exams are easier now than they were? There, there must be parents in the room that have an opinion on this. Without being patronising, people do. I work with are definitely thicker than me. Amazing. <laughs> Wait there, now we've got to ask what you do. Are you a teacher? No. In my office. And yet they got better results than I did. And they're younger. Right, so the young people you work with are thicker, yeah. therefore exams are getting easier. Definitely. I <laughs> <laughs> really argue with that logic. And a gentleman over here. Do you not think it's just that the, um, the process is a lot easier now? But in, in, like when I was at school, you had to remember a lot more, but you know, you'd have to drive or you get the bus to the next town to, to get a book out of the library. Now you can just jump on Google. You know, it's much easier. It's about 50 kids trying to get the same book out of the library when I was at school. Technology. Has technology eroded? Yeah, maybe it's, it's easier to cheat today, isn't it? The cell phones are much smaller. You can have them in your bra. And... Uh, <laughs> And you can just Google Translate in the waiting room. Did not you, that I, I'm not saying you should. Did you? Did you? Did anyone cheat on the exam? You know, I tr I tried to cheat on uh, my. I got some vocabulary, and I hid the device in my pocket, and the headphone went up my sleeve into my cardigan with a hole bitten in it. So I just looked like I was bored. <laughs> no, it didn't work because when you press play on the device, it's got to be the exact thing you need at that time. I remember once I, uh, it was a French exam and I wasn't very good at French and I wrote uh, a load of things on a bit of paper in my back pocket and I went to the toilet and the whole trick um, and the invigilator sort of followed me out but I think I looked nervous and suspicious because she then, it was like a she and she just followed me into the toilet and just stood behind me at the urinal so I didn't even need a wee so I just looked like a mentalist. Uh, <laughs> it was awful when I didn't pass that exam. Um, yeah, in my German exam I just learned a whole, I had my German friend translate everything that I had to say. And then I learned the sentence, uh, I'm really nervous so I may look at my notes. And then I just had it all written down and I just read it out loud and I got a pretty good grade. So is German taught in all Danish schools then? That surprises me given the interesting history. <laughs> you have to learn the phrase, no you may not come back in, goodbye. <laughs> Uh, we need a headline for, uh, for exams. Are exams getting easier? Anyone? Dumb and dumber. <laughs> Dumb nice. and dumbing. Yeah? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we still have to find the story of the week. So you're, we're going to vote for that by, by applauding that old chestnut. Um, <clears throat> anyone who's too obese to applaud, please don't join in at this point. Um, <laughs> or any, indeed, anyone who's too ginger and the friction might cause them to combust. One hundred a flame. Did you see that dude on question time the other week? The Highlands dude. I will fight for the United Kingdom. My blood is in the soil. Brilliant. I so want to meet him and just provoke him on different subjects. Friends was the best sitcom ever and I would die for it. Okay, so the first story. Just applaud if this was the one that engrossed you the most, you felt most engaged with. What a Cunningham. Just a... So slight applause, they actually sounded like her boobs flopping together. <laughs> in a wind tunnel. Um, Fatkin's diet, the obesity crisis. That goes into the lead. Dumb and dumbing down. 
Fat Kinsight again. Ladies and gentlemen, the story of the week is the fat Kinsight, the obesity crisis. A round of applause for my panellists. That's Ian Sterling, Sophie Hagen, and Steve Bouger.